everybody, welcome to your Sunday morning sermon or whatever day you're going to listen to this from Brad Tuttle Ministries. I am so glad that you decided to join me again in this powerful series that we have started about salvation. I hope your week has been going good. I hope you see yourself living in the blessings of God, that you're walking through life with a joyous heart, because remember, we have every reason to have joy. If you're truly saved, then the Holy Spirit lives in you and has brought the fruit of joy into your life. But not only that, with all the stuff that's going on around us and around the world, you know, our our, it tries to bring us unrest and chaos in our own lives, but we as men and women of God can have the peace of God because that fruit is there as well. And no matter what's going on around us, we can live that and live through that with peace. Amen. So hold on to your joy and hold on to your peace. Amen. So we are, again, in our salvation series. We have discussed justification. We have discussed sanctification. So we did saved and justified, saved and sanctified. And today we're going to talk about another incredible aspect or facet of this uh, of the beauty of our salvation. And we're going to title this sermon today, Saved and Reconciled. So this will be part three. Saved and justified, saved and sanctified, saved and reconciled. Amen. This is powerful. I hope that people, more people listen to this. Remember, go to the Brad Total Ministries YouTube channel, like it, subscribe it, hit that bell so you can continue to get um, all these sermons as each one is presented. Uh, it's something great to pass on to your friends because everyone needs to hear about our healing uh, series. Everybody needs to hear about this salvation series. We're in the last days. People need to be saved. And those who are saved need to know what it really means to be saved. Amen. So today we're going to talk about, like I said, reconciliation as a part of your salvation experience. But I want to real quick before we go into reconciliation, just in case someone has popped in here and they haven't listened to uh, part one and part two, I want to real quick at the very beginning just touch on justification and sanctification again. Uh, justification, as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, is a one and done act. The moment you came to faith in Christ, you were saved, justified. And that justification means you were declared legally not guilty. So justification is a one-time event in eternity that endures throughout eternity and that happened at the moment you are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. So this is a positional thing. This is a fact. Once you come to Christ as your Savior and the Lord of your life and by faith receive Christ into your life and trust him as your Savior, you are, are truly and believe and repent. At that moment, you are justified. The Greek aorist verb tense of justification in the word of God shows it to be a one-time event in the past when believers are declared legally not guilty. Justification is not something that is going on now. It is something that happened and was completed the moment you were saved. So you're living in your justification. It happened the moment that you came to faith in Christ, and it happened because God did it in your life. So simply put, to justify is to declare righteous. Think about that. You used to be a filthy sinner. You came to faith in Christ, and now you are declared righteous and can stand in front of a holy God um, and have relationship with him sanctification is 
deliverance from the power of sin and is a present and continuous process of believers becoming Christ-like accomplished by the Holy Spirit's presence and the Holy Spirit's power. So this is, this sanctification happens at the moment that you are born again, just like justification. But sanctification is what you're living in now. You are living and walking out your Christian life as a man or woman of God with a desire because you've now been sanctified. That desire, that sanctification sets you apart for special use for God. But that sanctification is going to begin to narrow your desires of the world and and broaden your desires for the things of God. And you're going to begin to see yourself talk different, act different, think different. That's you being sanctified, and it happens on a daily basis. Sanctification represents a believer's victory over the flesh, the world, and the devil. Sanctification, saved and sanctified. So in summary, justification happens when a God declares a guilty sinner to be righteous. Sanctification happens when God makes the believing sinner righteous. Amen? So justification happens one time, you're in your sanctification. Justification is a one-time act. Sanctification is a continual process. You are continuing to be sanctified. You are progressively moving into being more and more like Christ. You need to know that and you need to be able to, and here's the thing I said last week about it. That is there and that capability is there for you, but there's some effort that we put into it. Holy Spirit gives us the power to live it, but we got to make an effort within ourselves that we want to live Christ-like. Amen. So both justification and sanctification are parts of our eternal salvation. And as we're going to learn right now, so is reconciliation. And that's our topic for today. If you haven't listened to the first two parts, please go back. It'll, it literally will change your life. So reconciliation. It's mentioned several times in the New Testament. We're going to look at it in Romans chapter 5, verses 10 through 11. That's Romans 5, 10 through 11. And I will be listing all the scripture verses in the description on the YouTube channel. So they will all be listed there if you want to go back and read them and look them, study them, and really meditate upon them. They will be there for you. So Romans 5, 10 through 11 says this. This is so powerful. It says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And verse 11, and not only this, but we also celebrate in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also celebrate in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So Paul's point here, we're going to break these these two verses down. Paul's point here is that when we were enemies of God, and this is the big thing that pastors and leaders, uh, Christian leaders, do not want to dispense to people because they're afraid it's going to offend somebody. But unless they hear the real gospel, they don't even know what they're being saved from or why they would be saved. Um, So, and that is the aspect that we, before we come to faith in Christ, we are enemies of God. 
Understand something. We are enemies of God, separated from God by our sin. That's why people need to see Jesus. And that's why that needs to be included in the gospel message, because a sinner needs to see they are a sinner. They're an enemy of God. And they now see in that need, they now see why they need Christ to be their Savior. So Paul's point here is that when we were enemies of God, Christ's death made it possible for us to be reconciled to God. And now that we are his children, Jesus can save us eternally through his power. We are reconciled. We were enemies of God. Um, for, it says, for while we were enemies. Let me read you Romans 8. And it shows a, gives a picture of the enemy mindset uh, that we were all once in before Christ. And it goes like this. It writes and says, the mind set on or the mind that's bent on the flesh and the flesh being the evil disposition that's opposed to God. So the mindset on the flesh is hostile. That means has hatred toward God for it does not. And that word not in the Greek means absolutely does not. So for it absolutely does not subject its way of life or its habitual practices, it's to the law of God for it is not even able. Now understand unbelievers do not even have the inclination nor the power to submit the rebellious will to God. So again, let me read it without adding in the amplification in there. The mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not, absolutely does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able. So in other words, before you knew Christ, you not only did not subject yourself to the law of God or the word of God, you weren't able to do it. You were unable to do it. Um, you, neither, you neither had the inclination nor the power to submit your rebellious will to God. The word enemies in the Greek, ekthros, it says it's an adjective which pertains to manifesting hostility or being at enmity with another where enmity is a deep-seated animosity or hatred which may be opened or concealed or a deep-rooted hatred. Wow. Before you came to faith in Christ, that was you and that was me. We had a deep-seated hatred towards God. Some people's lives, you openly see that. Some people would say, well, no, I didn't. But if you were not saved, you were an enemy of God. And yes, the Bible says that you did. Again, and some, you can really see it. They just hate God. Enemies is a very strong term because we have to see that sin has put us, put us completely in wrong with God. Us being born into our sinful nature separated us from God and put us at enmity with God. We were enemies of God. Listen, an enemy is not someone who comes up a little short of being a friend. It means someone who's in the absolute opposite camp. That's where you were. You're not there now because you're born again. Or if you're listening to this and you're not saved, you're an enemy of God. That's why you need Jesus. You're an enemy of God. You need to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's why you so desperately need to pray and ask Christ to be the Savior and Lord of your life. Repent of your sins. Believe in Jesus and then confess him with your mouth and call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says you shall be saved. So we see some see the meaning here as man's hostility towards God, but the reference to wrath in Romans 5.9 shows us that it's God's hostility to evil that's in view. It's God's hostility towards us as well. The wrath and the enmity go together. We were enemies of God, and God's wrath was against us. 
sinners are enemies of God is stated a number of times in the New Testament. You can write these down or go back. It's in Romans 11.28, Philippians 3.18, Colossians 1.21, James 4.4, and Ephesians 2.15. So the Word of God says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Here comes that beautiful word of reconciliation. We were rec- For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. That's saying that we, when we came to faith in Christ and believed upon what Jesus did for us on the cross and in his resurrection, that we were now at that moment reconciled to God. And to be reconciled means to exchange, to exchange one thing for another. And it was used kind of as an example to describe the exchange of coins for others of equal value. Here it refers to the exchange of hostility to a friendly relationship. You went from being, I mean, come on, this is not something that we should rejoice about. How much... This is the kind of stuff that should get us through all these times we're going through with joy and peace to just simply sit down and meditate on the fact, contemplate on the fact that you were an enemy of God and now because you came through Christ, you are a friend of God. And if you're out there listening to this and you don't know Christ, you need to accept Christ now. I'll probably end up saying this through this whole sermon. You need to accept Christ now. You're an enemy of God, separated from God by your sin. You're at hostility. God's hostility, his wrath is against you right now. You need to get that right. And the only way to do that is through Christ. So it says, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. So scripture always portrays God as the reconciler and sinners as the ones reconciled. Just remember that. Isaiah 59.2. Isaiah 59.2 says this. But your iniquities, that your sins, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. You know, we, we are, church has gotten so sissified, and the people behind the pulpits have gotten so sissified because they're so afraid to offend anybody. And all, all they're doing is not loving them like they should because they're not giving them the truth. If you're not giving someone the real gospel then you're not showing love to them. You're, you are just, it's pride keeping you from giving someone the truth because you're afraid you're going to lose the numbers of people in your church. And here's the thing. Um, this is not some la di oh, God loves all of us. God loves everybody in the sense that he allows you to live on the earth in an atmosphere that sustains your life. But if you don't know Christ, you're an enemy of God. You're an enemy of God. But if you come through Christ... You can now be God's friend. You can be in God's family. You can now uh, have favor with God. It says, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. To have your prayers heard, you need to be in relationship with God the Father through Christ the Son. Otherwise, it says, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Reconciliation produces restoration of a relationship of peace which has been disturbed between God and man and it started in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, that messed it all up. They lived in this beautiful, sinless, perfect place 
And the moment they sinned, the moment they did against what God had told them not to do, and they did it anyway, they broke that relationship. And now from that point on, um, that uh, relationship of peace between God and man had been disturbed. So reconciliation, let me read you along a, 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 a definition. It's not something man does, but what he receives. It is not what he accomplishes, but what he embraces. Reconciliation does not happen when man decides to stop rejecting God, but when God decides to stop rejecting man. It is a divine provision by which God's holy displeasure against alienated sinners is appeased, his hostility against them removed, and a harmonious relationship between him and them are established. Somebody out there say, hallelujah, my relationship with God has been restored and it is harmonious in Jesus' name. Scriptures go on to say in our verses, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. This is how much more since we have been reconciled will we be saved by his life. Listen, if God had the power and the will to redeem us in the first place, then how much more does he have the power and the will to keep us redeemed? You don't lose, you don't, this is not taken away from you. He will keep you. He will, this is sustained throughout your life. Once you're truly saved, you are justified, that's not taken away. You are sanctified, that's not taken away. You are reconciled, that's not taken away. And God has the power and the will to keep us in that position. So in other words, if God brought us to himself through the death of his son when we were enemies, how much more now that we are his re reconciled children will he keep us saved by the life of his son? So once you're in it, you're in it, amen? You're in it. Hallelujah. If the dying Savior reconciled us to God, surely the living Savior can and will keep us reconciled. That's what that's saying. Under It's telling you that once you're in this, you've been reconciled, then you're reconciled. You're in the family of God. You're no longer an enemy of God. Don't let, don't beat yourself up. Don't carry condemnation because you messed up and did something you weren't supposed to do. You're in the family of God. Confess it before God. Uh, the word of God tells us God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins when we will openly confess them before him. So that doesn't take you out of this. If you're a believer and you've messed up, it does not take you out of this. It does not take you out of the family. It does not mean God turns his back and says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I don't like you anymore. God continues to love you as his child because you came to faith in Christ in a relationship with him, and he will keep you in that relationship until the day you go to be with Jesus in heaven. Amen. So it says, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Literally, that's in his life, which conveys a sense of union with Christ. In his life alludes to this. It shows us this intimate, living union between us as a believer and our Lord. Amen. He is now our life. Galatians 2.20. Colossians 3.4. He is now our strength. Philippians 4.13. He is now our sufficiency. He's our all in all. Let me read you Galatians 2.20. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus gave himself to us for our salvation to reconcile us back to God. Man, hallelujah. 
And then moving on into verse 11, and not only this, but we also celebrate, it says, in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. And not only this, but we celebrate or we rejoice. We rejoice in the gifts of the giver himself. Before we were saved, we found our joys elsewhere, whatever they were. You found your joys, and if you're not saved, you find them in other places. But now we celebrate whenever we remember God and whenever we, whenever we remember the things that God has done for us. He has justified you. He has sanctified you. Has, he has reconciled you. And next time we're going to learn about he has redeemed you. So we also celebrate in God, the word says, to reconcile to God through Christ. Rejoice in God. We always have a reason to rejoice. We're in God through Christ. We're in Christ. We're in fellowship with God the Father because we are forever in Christ. We will spend eternity with God the Father because we are now in Christ. Justified, sanctified, reconciled. Celebrate. We're supposed to celebrate this. Celebrate right now. Celebrate this. This understanding. Celebrate this understanding and this truth that you know who you now are truly in Christ. Celebrate means to have joyful confidence. You can live out your Christian life on this earth in a joyful confidence, knowing that this can never be taken away from you, that Jesus is your Savior, God is your Father, and you can live your life in peace and joy. You can have joyful confidence that this is going to last, and you're going to get to heaven, and you're going to make it because God has the power and the will to keep you in this all the way. So this joyful confidence expresses an unusually high degree of confidence in God and what he has done for us as being exceptionally noteworthy. Oh man, what God has done for us. There's no one has ever done anything like this for you. Jesus went to the cross and he died for you and he rose again. He suffered on the cross for our sins. He took the wrath of God on the cross for our sins. What that That's exceptionally noteworthy. The things that God has done for you, the things that God has done for us. C.H. Spurgeon said, joy in God is the happiest of all joys. There are other sweets, but this is the virgin honey dripping fresh from the comb. Joy in God is also a most elevating joy. Man, I don't care what your personality is like. Maybe you're not a totally outgoing person, but wherever your personality lies, I don't care who you are, we always have reason to have a smile on our face and to be rejoicing. I don't care what the president's doing. I mean, I do. I pray against all that evil that's going across our nation, but I'm not going to let that steal my joy. I'm not going to let that steal my peace. In the midst of all that stuff, as I pray for all that stuff to be rectified in Jesus' name, I know who I am in Christ and I can walk through all this as a justified saint sanctified, reconciled man of God. I celebrate in God through my Lord Jesus Christ. Then it says, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Through whom? Again, through Christ. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus said of his finished work of salvation, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. And that's not through Hare Krishna. That's not through any other kind of God, little G God. That's not through other, in some other kind of religion. That's only through the name of Jesus Christ. That's not through Allah. That is through Jesus Christ. He's the door. If anyone enters through him, he will be 
saved. So this point is clearly emphasized. What matters is what we have through Jesus. If you've never trusted in Christ, you have never come through Christ. If you trusted in Christ and believed and repented in your heart, trusted in Christ as your Savior, you have come through Christ and are now in relationship with God the Father. And you come through Christ reconciled, sanctified, and justified. So what we have through our own works doesn't matter and can't help us. Everything and the only things that matter is what we have through Jesus. You're not going to take a U-Haul of possessions with you to heaven. The most important things that you can do on this earth have to do with eternal things. I go to a secular job, I work, you know, that helps bring money into my home, but that's not eternal. It's not something that lasts for eternity. Now, if I'm there and I'm sharing my faith and I'm living out my Christian life and I'm trying to play a part as far as, you know, making a difference in people's lives and their salvation by the way I live and, and, and how I witness to people, that's one thing that turns that job into something that's more eternal. But the most important thing you can do with your life are things that are eternal that will last forever. Money and cars and fame and fortune, that's just wood, hay and stubble. And that's going to burn up one day. The things that will last are the things that we do for God that are eternal. One commentator on the word received, it says, remember, it says, uh, it says, we have now received the reconciliation. Received literally means to grasp it, to grasp something. It's used here in a spiritual sense of being a recipient of reconciliation. One commentator said, nothing could show more unmistakably that the reconciliation is not a change in our disposition towards God, but a change in his attitude toward us. We do not give it. We receive it by believing in Jesus Christ, whom God has set forth as a propitiation. That means uh, he took the wrath of God through faith in his blood. We take it as God's unspeakable gift. Unspeakable. Uh, man, it's overwhelmingly joyous to understand who we are in Christ. And then it closes with, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So the reconciliation, first and foremost, Paul sees the work of Jesus Christ as above and beyond all else. He sees it as a work of reconciliation. He has reconciled us to God the Father. Through what he did, the lost relationship between man and God has been restored. Whew. Through what Jesus did on the cross, he made all of us able to come to God the Father and be saved. And in that same moment, restored our relationship back to God and God no longer sees us as an enemy we have been reconciled our attitudes have changed our minds have changed men were living in this sanctified life changing to be more and more like Christ every day man was made remember in the garden of eden they were made man was made for friendship and fellowship with God that was broken Jesus played the role of reestablishing that in Jesus name you know again when Jesus did the, took, what Jesus did took hostility away. When he went to the cross, he took away the, restored the relationship of friendship. Again, it is careful, uh, it is carefully to be noted that Paul never speaks of God being reconciled to men, but always of men being reconciled to God. We need God. We are friends of God. We're in the family of God. Let me read you a closing uh, illustration. It says this, years ago in a western city, a husband and wife became estranged and finally separated. They left the city and resided in different parts of the country. 
the husband one day chanced to return to this city on a matter of business. He went out to the cemetery to the grave of their only son. He was standing by the grave in fond reminisce when he heard a step behind him. Turning, he saw his estranged wife. The first inclination of both was to turn away, but they had a common binding interest in that grave. And instead of turning away, they clasped their hands over that grave of their son and were reconciled one to another. It took nothing less than death to reconcile them. It takes nothing less than death, the precious blood of Christ, to reconcile man to God. The pronouncement, the proclamation of that is the gospel message. We have the great proclaimer of it said the message of his reconciliation. We were enemies of God, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, what he, had what he accomplished by his death and his resurrection, we were reconciled to God by faith in Christ when we repented of our sinful state, believed on him, when we became a man or woman of God in faith, in Christ, trusting in Christ, believing in our heart, we were at that moment justified, we were at that moment sanctified, and we were at that moment reconciled to God. Think about that. Declared righteous before God, and at the same time, you were restored back to a right relationship with God. You were reconciled all because of what Jesus did. It's all because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's how much... That's how much we should be celebrating this. That's how grateful we should be. That's how thankful we should be. And I sit here, someone who, for 27 years of his life, served the devil. You know, I, 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 that's what you're doing. You're not serving God. You're serving the devil. It's 27 years of my life, man. Do I wish I could have known Christ earlier? Sure, but that's not the way it worked out in my life. There was a time and a moment for me. There was a time and a moment for you. And there's a time and a moment for anyone watching this that doesn't know Christ. There's a time and a moment for you. And that moment may be right now. And I came to faith in Christ. And man, my life was instantly changed. I saw things change. I saw my, the way, th ways I thought changed, the ways I talked changed. I, I knew at the moment that I came to faith in Christ in my bedroom when I was 27 years old with beer, beer smell of beer still on my breath, just having been in a bar. I, I, knew, I knew at that moment I felt the peace of God come into me, but I knew at that moment that I had found not only my salvation in Christ, not only now I have the peace with God. I didn't know about reconcile, but that's why I felt the way I did. But I knew now God had a purpose for my life. And, and that's the real purpose in life, is what you do for the kingdom of God. And this all happens through Christ. It's all through Jesus. So if you're watching, I'm going to pray in a minute, but if you're watching right now and you know him, man, start rejoicing. Start telling other people. Start celebrating what Christ has done for you. You're reconciled to God the Father. You're in a right relationship right now with God the Father. Rejoice over that. Amen. And if you're not watching this, man, you need to trust in Christ today. Amen. So let me pray for you right now. Father, we just come before you right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for this time together. I pray for anyone who's, who's watching this who does not know you. I pray that they would simply believe in who you are and what you've done for them. They've heard the gospel through this message, that they would now believe in Christ, who you are and what you've done for them, that they would repent of their sins, and then they would call upon the name of the Lord. They would confess Christ from their mouth as the Savior and the Lord of their life. 
And I think if you do that today, in Jesus' name, I pray that many will come to faith in Christ all around the world. And we thank you for that right now. And all those who know Christ who are watching this, Holy Spirit, I pray that they would allow you to impress upon their hearts the beauty of their salvation, that this would cause them to rejoice and to celebrate and to to uh, to have a joy in this life they're living like they've never had it before because they now realize who they truly are in Christ. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about them or is said about them, they know now who they are in Christ, justified, sanctified, and reconciled now in the family of God. And we pray these things in Jesus name. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this has been a blessing to you. We got a couple more coming. That was part three. Live out your life. You're justified. You're sanctified. You're reconciled. Celebrate in your life over that truth. Amen. God bless you.